Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hello and welcome to History for Weirdos. We are your hosts, Andrew and Stephanie. And each week, we're going to take you on a journey into the strange, obscure, and relentlessly entertaining corners of human history. Now listen up, friends, because it's about to get weird. Welcome back to episode 66 of History for Weirdos. And we're glad to be back, as always. Yeah, this week, Andrew has much thrilling things to tell us, I'm sure. Definitely. But before we get started, I wanted to say just a few like updates, I guess, at the top of the podcast. One is we wanted to give a really warm thank you to a listener named Nicole, who sent us a voice message, um, which was just so sweet talking about how when she was younger, she and her friends had a weirdo club in school. That's so amazing. And I feel like we're like a big weirdo club. So I thought that was so perfect. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much, Nicole, for your voice message. It honestly warmed our hearts. So we wanted to say thank you. Thank you, Nicole. And then uh, in the United States, for folks who may not know, this week is our holiday of Thanksgiving. So we won't have a new episode out... The following Monday, next week, um, we're going to take the holiday off and just rest that weekend and enjoy family. Um, And yeah, it's also Native American Heritage Month in the United States. And obviously, I feel like the holiday of Thanksgiving has meant different things in different time periods. I'm sure you'll maybe talk about it a little bit. Yeah, and before I get into my episode, actually, I just wanted to give you guys a couple fun facts about Thanksgiving. This will only take a little, like, a minute or so. But um, there are just a few bullet points I wanted to uh, point out. One, turkey wasn't even on the menu at the very first Thanksgiving. Venison, duck, goose, oysters, lobster, eel, and fish were likely served alongside pumpkins and cranberries, but not pumpkin pie nor cranberry sauce. Wow. Yeah, so traditions like do change. nothing that we think of. I know. Traditions do change. And in... I think it was probably the 1860s, definitely the 1860s, Abraham Lincoln proclaimed uh, Thanksgiving a national holiday, oh yeah, here, on October 3rd, 1863. Sarah Josepha Hale, which is a very unfortunate name. Josepha, not a pretty name, sorry to all the Josephas out there. Sorry. She's the woman who wrote Mary Had a Little Lamb, and she was the one to convince Lincoln to make Thanksgiving a national holiday after petitioning the government for 17 years. I wonder why she was so passionate about this. That's so interesting. I don't know, and but I was just like, that's just really weird, and I want to I talk, to, talk to you about that. <laughs> What's another weird fact? <laughs> JFK was the first to let a Thanksgiving turkey go. Was, oh, the tradition that we have of like for yeah, like pardoning the turkey. <laughs> oh my gosh! So he was followed by Richard Nixon, who sent his turkey to a petting zoo. George H. <laughs> w. Bush is the president who formalized the turkey pardoning tradition in 1989. 
So Harry Truman is often credited, but as the first uh, president to do that, but it's not true. That's so interesting. It's such a funny tradition that we have because yeah. I'm pretty certain that the president still eats a turkey. Yeah, it's just not that turkey. It's that specific turkey. <laughs> it's a very strange tradition, even as an American. It's yeah. very odd. And so speaking of tradition, the tradition of football on Thanksgiving began in 1876 with a game between Yale and Princeton. Oh, wow. And the first NFL games to be played on Thanksgiving was in 1920. That's so recent. Yeah. And Teddy Roosevelt, like some fun fact, not so fun fact, Teddy Roosevelt almost banned football in 1905 because 19 people died playing in that year alone. What? Yeah, so it's rough now, but it used to be even rougher. Imagine. I know. Well, I also wanted to say, um, you know, considering the complex history, we shall say, to keep it light, of this holiday, I think it's cool that you showed that traditions change because I think a lot of us are grappling with, like, how do we want to celebrate the holiday? I think a lot of younger folks are trying to think of how to make it meaningful for them. And it's just a reminder that you get to make your own traditions. Yeah, exactly. And those traditions can align with your values. I know. I like that. Well said. Well Thank said. Thank you. So, enough of that. We're now getting to the meat of our story here. Tell us. Okay. So, and I'm just going to get right to it. We're going to be talking about the lost colony of Roanoke. Dun, dun, dun. And you probably already knew that since it's the name of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> so, background. Spanish Florida was the first major European land claim and attempted settlement in North America during the European Age of Discovery or Age of Dis- uh, Reconnaissance, you know, whatever you want to call it. Right. Which is basically from like the, you know, 1400s through the 1700s or maybe even just 1600s. So founded in 1513 by Juan Ponce de Leon, Spanish Florida once encompassed much of the present day state of Florida and perhaps even a little bit more land. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the consequences of this particular settlement is enormous and just cannot be understated. Essentially, this created a sort of arms race between the major European powers at the time Mm. to explore and claim land for themselves. So weird. Yes. (laughs) So weird that this is what they went with, but yeah. yeah. (laughs) And the powers, you know, initially being mainly Spain and Portugal, but but followed closely by England, France, and the Netherlands. Yeah. And what was the reason for all of this, you may ask? Trade and resources. Wealth and power were flowing to these European countries at such a rate that they went from being regional powers to, like, semi-superpowers. Right. Like, up until this point, it was really mainly, like, the Ottomans that kind of dominated, mm-hmm. uh, like, that part of the world, like, kind of the EMEA part of the world. And now, like, it's really started to shift because of this colonization. So interesting that humans are just so driven by the idea of power. Yeah. We see it over and over again, even in this show. Right. The potential Mm -hmm. to be the next big power. Yeah. Makes them willing to do crazy things. Yes, exactly. So now we kind of get like a little bit of a a ground um, here for us. A little bit of like a backstory. We're going to fast forward to 1578. Mm Mm-hmm. So Queen Elizabeth I of England issues a charter to Sir Humphrey Gilbert in order to explore and colonize territories, quote, unclaimed by Christian kingdoms, end quote. Oh, no. Yeah. 
Well, Gilbert dies a few years later in 1583, and his charter is passed down to his brother, Adrian Gilbert, and his half-brother, Sir Walter Raleigh. Mm-hmm. And that name should hopefully be at least vaguely familiar to American audiences. Definitely should tickle the recesses of our minds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> From like ninth grade history or whatever. Yep, exactly. <laughs> so Adrian's portion of the charter gave him permission to explore the northern part of like North America's eastern seaborne, more or less. Um, and Walter's Raleigh's claim was the southern portion and all parts that weren't claimed by Spain already. Okay. Which was quite a bit. Yeah. So it's slightly comical in retrospect, this actually, this arrangement, because Adrian got the quote unquote better part of the deal at first because most people just wanted to find the fabled Northwest Passage, which would lead to Asia, which would open up like incredible trading routes. Mm -hmm. But we know the Northwest Passage isn't real, so... In reality, Raleigh got the better deal. Yeah. So from here on out, though, we're we're just going to focus on Raleigh because only his portion of the story is really relevant. So his charter was officially issued on March 25th, 1584. And he had until 1591 to establish a colony or lose the right to colonization due to the Whoa. charter. Yeah, really weird. And fun fact to our weirdo listeners, March 25th is our wedding anniversary. That's right. Yeah. Happy anniversary to us. It's 1584. <laughs> That's also the year we got married. Absolutely. We're actually centuries old. Centuries. Centuries. We look pretty good, though. Damn, damn right. <laughs> <laughs> so his mandate was to, and again, quote, discover, search, find out, and view such remote heathen and barbarous lands, countries, and territories to have, hold, occupy and enjoy end quote wow so vague and quite rude if you ask me yeah so not to mention the disastrous side effects also that this would happen on the native american population of course to the people already living here yeah um also a weird stipulation of this charter is that he had to remain at elizabeth's side in london during all this time why i don't know were they romantic uh, no. Okay. I, I, I could not find any more, like, information on that. So just a weird power move on her part? you got to be by my side? Yeah. Okay. I guess maybe because I have no idea. Maybe <laughs> she was afraid he's going to set up his own kingdom in the new world. Maybe, yeah. Maybe she, something weird like that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's weird, though. How interesting, though. I do want to just acknowledge that language that you read that's in mm -hmm. the charter. Um heathen and barbarous lands yeah that's so interesting because unfortunately that is so pervasive throughout u.s history yeah and we see the effects of that language and the perspective today yeah absolutely even. that's so nuts how powerful words can be i know so you know this leads us to our first expedition to the americas it's called the amadas barlow expedition named after the two captains of the two ships that would go so these a fleet of two ships, um, specifically they're called barks, which is just like a just it doesn't really matter. It's just like a big sh like wooden ship. Okay, big wooden boats. <laughs> big wooden boats. Yeah, set sail a month after the charter was finalized on April twenty seventh, fifteen eighty four. So, the expedition set sail to the West Indies initially to catch the trade winds. So it's kind of like a southwestern trajectory, or like a west southwest, I guess. And um, they get to the West Indies and then finally turn north and get to 
essentially what is modern day uh, North Carolina. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it, they actually view land on April, or sorry, on July 4th, 1584. Oh. 4th of July. At a place that is now known as Cape Fear, ominously. That's a really cute name. <laughs> yeah. So they eventually made landfall nine days after the fact and established relations with some of the Native Americans, specifically folks from the Seco. I'm going to butcher this. The Secotan and the and the Croatan tribes. Okay. We don't know how to pronounce those. If anyone knows, let us know. Yeah. I'm. Yeah. I definitely am not comfortable. I'm not like 100% on those pronunciations. No, I actually haven't heard of those tribes before. I've heard of the Croatan, but, and for reasons we'll get to at the end, actually. Okay. So two native men would actually accompany the English back to London. A guy named Wanchese and Monteo. Whoa. Yeah. The explorers would describe this land as beautiful, even comparing it to the Garden of Eden. Well. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. Where is this, North or South Carolina? It would be, it's present-day North Carolina. Okay. Uh, it's an island called Hatteras Island. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, and back in the day, it was called Croatan Island. Yeah. So the expedition, after, you know, some time, set sail back for England and arrived in the fall of 1584 back in England okay. with the two Native American men. Okay. So this expedition was deemed a success, and our boy Raleigh was granted a knighthood by Queen Elizabeth because of its success. He, I'm going to not have him be my boy, but... Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't mean it our boy as in, like, <laughs> I usually mean it. It's more like our boy as in this protagonist here. Our protagonist of yeah. this story so far. Exactly. And he... And we'll get to it, but he's not the greatest guy in the world. <laughs> of course. <laughs> he's not the best. He's not the worst. He's not the best. <laughs> so... At this point, the land that was granted to him was now forever known as Virginia, which is ironic because he landed North Carolina. That's so (laughs) weird. Yeah. It's just because like all that area is just Virginia at this point. Oh, okay. Yeah. There isn't like any like separate colonies. It's just all Virginia. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. So ironic as the place where they landed would actually, yeah, again, be in present day North Carolina. Yeah. Um, Would it be in present day... Raleigh? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm... I didn't look that up, but I'm almost positive it's named after him. Yeah, I'm almost have positive to as well. So, also, it's, it's important to note, too, and I, I didn't put this in my notes, but when they landed here, they thought that there would only be, like, a, some, a little bit of land, and then if you go, just moved just west of this land, like, yeah. almost like it's like a massive isthmus, you move west of it, you hit the Pacific Ocean. They're so silly. Yeah, they just didn't realize how much land they'd have to go before they hit the Pacific Ocean. Wow. Yeah, they vastly underestimated it. So, at this point, Raleigh was like, okay, yo, I want to establish the first permanent English colony in the Americas. Because his charter gave him the right to do so in English law. Mm-hmm. The next expedition would comprise of a fleet of seven ships and 600 men, including Wanchese and Monteo again. Okay. Going back across the Atlantic. So the leader of this expedition would be a man by the name of Richard Grenville, and the colony's governor would be a man by the name of Ralph Lane. Both of those names are pretty important. Okay. The fleet left Plymouth, England on April 9th, 1585. And from the beginning, this excursion would have just some issues. So there was a severe storm off the coast of Portugal that separated one of the ships from the rest of the fleet. The name of the ship was the Tiger, and ironically, it was like the flagship of Mm, this fleet. mm -hmm. So, and that was the one that Grenville was on. 
So ironically, the ship made it to their rendezvous point in uh, on the southern coast of Puerto Rico okay. before any of the other ships did, even though there, it was the one that was blown off course. Oh, okay. And the like the historical record at this point is so weird, and I'll, I'll tell you why. So the ships that never made it eventually just decided to go to Newfoundland, like way up what? in the north, yeah, to go privateering. <laughs> Which is essentially, if you don't know what that is, it's just, like, state-sponsored piracy. So, like, they were going to go raid, like, Spanish ships. Okay. Um, That's, like, such a side quest. Yeah, I, I, I even put in my notes why they did this. I don't know. I couldn't tell you. But one ship, the Red Lion, left about 30 men on what is today known as Hatteras Island, Croatan Island. And, um, and again, this is the same island that the Almada's Barlow expedition landed at. Yes. So meanwhile, Grenville and Puerto Rico tried to make contact with Spanish authorities, but to no avail. He instead went on the offensive and captured two Spanish ships, collected a bunch of salt, and at gunpoint, like, more or less, decided to trade that salt with the Spaniards. Okay. Yeah, it's just wild. <laughs> this, like, expedition was wild. Um, it Kind of just a random mini side quest, but kind of awesome and definitely insane. Yeah. So, after all of that, they decide to finally go to the Outer Banks. I've been there. Yeah, and that's where Hatteras Island is on the Outer Banks. Mm-hmm. So, I was going to say, you kept saying Hatteras. I don't know how to pronounce it, but my family was calling it Hatteras. Hatteras, okay. It might be Hatteras. I, I have no idea how to pronounce it. But I don't know if that's right, because I've only ever heard my uncles and you say it, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, your uncles are from the East Coast, so I'll call it Hatteras from now on. Let's so Hatteras is actually Hatteras. And watch then it, we're going to get a right. bunch of messages. <laughs> yeah. You it's guys. Hatteras. Okay. So thank you. Hatteras Island. Um, so the Grenville ship, the Tiger, got partially wrecked on his way to Hatteras Island and needed to be repaired. And they finally eventually made it to the island and reunited with two of the other ships and the men left behind on the Red Lion. And also while they were repairing the Tiger... A little mini expedition was being made to visit Secotan villages while repairs, yeah, again, were being made to the Tiger. And long story short, it, it, this is just also such a weird, like, tangent. Like, a silver cup went missing on with, like, from the English's, like, items. Okay. When they were visiting the Secotan villages. And so, in retaliation, because they're like, oh, you, you guys must have stolen it. In retaliation, they just decided to burn down the a village of Secotans in order to not show weakness. This was specifically, and I'm going to butcher this name, the Aquaskogok. Aquaskogok. Aquaskogok, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Aquaskogok. Again, not good juju. That's bad. That's so ridiculous and disgusting. And again, I think it goes back to this perspective in the language that they use, right? These right. are barbarians. These are heathens. These are non-Christians. Bad. Right. Exactly. We can get away with burning a whole village because someone misplaced a cup. Yeah, exactly. So after consulting Wanchese and Manteo, the English decided to set the colony on Roanoke Island as it was like wedged between the Outer Banks and the mainland, safe from Spanish patrols. Oh. Yeah. Satisfied with the results, Grenville decided to sail back to England on October, or I'm sorry, August 25th, 1585. And on his way back, he captured yet again another Spanish ship, this time filled with treasure. What a 
good time. So this guy was just like, he was just, I mean, he was on a tear. He, re- he was received um, at the court of Elizabeth, like, with just open arms. <laughs> of course. Because, yeah, he came back with a ton of treasure, and, like, the permanent colony now, like, almost for sure would be profitable, as the treasure would more than pay for it. This dude is more into treasure than even the Spaniards were. I know. It's it's really impressive, honestly. Yeah. So, now on the northern end of the island of Roanoke, there were a total of 108 men, including Ralph Lane, the governor of the settlement. So this is 1585. Um, it's important to note that a lot of the colonists were expecting to find lots of precious metals, uh, but they were sorely mistaken. Because yeah. they wanted to find, like, oh, like, the Spanish found a bunch of gold in, like, the, the Americas, why can't we? The colonists spent the autumn of 1585 acquiring corn from the neighboring villages to augment their limited supplies. The current the colony, excuse me, apparently obtained enough corn along with venison, fish, and oysters to sustain them at least throughout the winter. Okay. So, and it's and from here on out, like the information gets a little bit spotty and there's just a lot of like bickering, like little like minor like not even warfare, it's just like little skirmishes sometimes between the settlers and the Native Americans, and it just goes back and forth, so I kind of have a little bit of a summary, just to kind of speed up the process here. Do it. So, here are the highlights. Essentially, relations between the Native Americans and the English uh, colonists deteriorated as disease began to spread amongst the Native populations. Yeah, I'd be pissed too. Yeah. It's important to mention that neither the Native peoples nor the English understood exactly what was happening here. Right. But many Native Americans correctly surmised that the cause was but from the English. Yeah, the, the new germs, basically. Right. Exactly. They just didn't know that. Exactly. Like, no one really understood what was happening. So, again, this resulted in on and off skirmishes with some tribes aligning with the English and then switching sides. Yeah. And relations got so heated that they eventually needed an evacuation. And it's also mm. at this point, too, that Wanchese um, changed his name. And I didn't write it in the notes what it was. But he changed his name to, like, kind of the one who watches. Okay. And from here on out, was very skeptical of the English. And, I don't, and he did not return back, uh, yeah. even though Monteo would. Wow. Yeah. That's so interesting. I wonder what those two men experienced. That one was like... Oh, F these guys. Yeah. And the other stayed. Exactly. I would think they would both. They were from different tribes. So Lanchese oh. um, was from the Secotan and then and Monteo was from the Croatan. Okay. Very so, interesting. Yeah. And remember Croatan. That's important. Okay. For you and the listeners. Got it. Remember it, guys. Write it down. Remember it. Remember it. Okay. So in June 1586, the colonists made contact with the fleet of someone pretty famous, Sir Francis Drake. He was an Drake. Drake. <laughs> Sir Francis Drake, oh, not okay. Drake. Not Drake. Got the it. singer, rapper, dude. Is he a rapper? Yeah, Drake's a rapper. Yeah, he's a rapper. Yeah, I guess so. So, on his in Drake was going. <laughs> <laughs> now I just keep picturing I know. Drake and his turtlenecks with his gold chain. I know Francis Drake <laughs> was returning back to England from successful campaigns against the Spanish, privateering. Right. Ralph Lane persuaded both Drake and his fellow colonists to evacuate and return to England just because things weren't going too hot. Yeah. Three colonists were left behind for unknown reasons and were never heard from again. Whoa. And I put in parentheses an omen of things to come. That's spooky. So this evacuation was pretty significant as the colonists introduced, you know, tobacco, maize, and potatoes to England for the first time. Wow. On their return. Yeah. Potatoes are really good. I know, right? Those are dank. (laughs) 
Also, <laughs> sorry, that was such an important contribution to make. I know, right? I just really had to let the weirdos know. Potatoes are so good. They're dank. In all kinds of forms, right? It's true. What are your favorite? I obviously love... Okay, I think my actual favorite... I was going to say, obviously, I love french fries. But I right. think my favorite favorite might be potato wedges. I was going to say the same thing. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah. With Prosecco in it. Oh, my God. Get out of <laughs> so, here. I know. I'm sorry. Get back okay. to the story. Get back to the story. So, Lane's colony was deserted, but not a complete failure. Okay. Here's where we begin the portion of the story that had puzzled historians for roughly 400 years. That's a long time. It's a long time. So... In January of 1587, Raleigh approved a quarter or a corporate charter, excuse me, to found the city of Raleigh. Whoa! But it's not. I don't. It wouldn't be the city, the actual today city of Raleigh, North Carolina. Just FYI. But he got he got a charter approved to found it with artist slash cartographer John White as its governor. Okay. John White's important. About 115 people decided to be colonists, including White's pregnant daughter Eleanor and her husband Ananias. Or Ananias Dare. Wow, what a name. Yeah, I've never seen that name before. Especially from an English person. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was kind of shocked. But anyways, the colonists were largely middle-class Londoners seeking to improve their own status. Mm-hmm. A- included in this group is Monteo, the same Native American guy who, by now, will have made multiple transatlantic trips. Wow. Pretty cool. So this group did include women, children, and... Surprisingly, not a military force, even though really? the first one did clearly did. Yeah, maybe because they were like, "Oh, we're like we're sick of people trying to privateer, and we actually yeah. want like and real they're just colonists. causing problems." Yeah, yeah, going on these side quests. Exactly. So this time, the fleet only contained three ships and set sail on May eighth, fifteen eighty seven. So the colonists landed on Hatteras Island on July twenty second of that year, and the following morning made it to Roanoke. And what remained of the former Lane colony. Okay. So this is July 23rd, 1587. The fort was completely dismantled and the houses were overgrown with vegetation. Makes sense. Yeah, they found some human remains, which were most likely some of the remains of the from the colonists left behind. Oh. So yeah, we think that they were probably killed. Yeah. Yeah. Immediately though, things weren't going too well. Uh, you know, after all, violence breeds violence. Like a few days after landing on Roanoke, a colonist by the name of George Howe was killed by some Native Americans while he was searching for crabs. Oh, okay. I'm sure they were like, not more of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, luckily for the colonists, however, they did have Manteo to help ease relations, mm. which he did. So his tribe, the Croatan, uh, tried to help negotiate a peace between the colonists and the hostile tribes, but mm-hmm. to no avail. Mm. The hostile coalition had already moved away from the area as they were afraid that there was going to be, you know, appraisal um, for the death of Hal. Yeah. And, you know, after a brief misunderstanding that led to actually some violence between the colonists and the Croatan themselves, our boy oh Monteo, cl- you know, calmed tensions once again. Wow, this man... Deserves. He's pretty incredible. I know. I was like, damn, like, I wish we knew more about him because he'd be a great weirdo. Yes, he deserves a lot of praise here. Exactly. I agree. Um, because of all, you know, he saved the rear ends of all these colonists multiple times. He was named, quote, Lord of Roanoke and, and I'm going to butcher this, the Dasa Ponke. Okay. I'm not going to repeat that. That's He was way became too hard. a lord. He became a lord, and he was also baptized, interestingly. Yeah. 
things were smoothed out at least temporarily. Okay. So it's also you know important to note that around this time on August 18th, 1587, Eleanor Dare gave birth to a daughter named unoriginally Virginia <laughs> in honor of being, quote, the first Christian born in Virginia. Okay. Yeah. So, however, overall, you know, things must not have been going super well because it was at this point that they decided to move the colony inland about 50 miles away. Okay. They hadn't actually done it. They just decided that they were going okay. to do it. Okay. They convinced Governor John White to return to England to get much needed supplies um, and further resources. Wow, but it's crazy to think that that, like, that would take so long. Yeah, it would. Oh, yeah. And we'll get into that. So on August 27th, 1587, he left and he arrived back in England in that November. It's important to mention also that the English and Spanish's relations had deteriorated yeah. significantly, unsurprisingly. Yeah. And if you really know your history, it's at this point that the Spanish Armada would attempt to invade England early the following year in 1588, meaning that essentially all ships had to remain close to England in order to fight off the invasion. Like, it was like a, an order directly from Elizabeth herself. Right, all hands on deck. All hands on deck. And just to make matters even worse, the English attempted an armada of their own, which I didn't know, actually, the following year. Like, like a counter-invasion of, like, Spain. Um, I, I didn't know that, actually, interestingly. Pretty cool. But why that sucks is that because, like, we, they he couldn't go back to um, the colony until 1590. Oh, my God. Yeah, so it, it's pretty bad. Almost, oh, no, and they needed supplies. Yeah, he made it back. It took him almost almost three total years, like only a few days shy of three full years. He actually made it onto Roanoke Island on August 18th, 1590, Coincidentally, his granddaughter Virginia's third birthday. Wow. Yeah, how weird is that? Basically came upon the settlement and saw that it had been completely abandoned. Everything that essentially could have been carried away or looted was missing, including multiple chests of items that White had left behind originally in 1587. His stuff, okay. Yeah, his stuff for like on his return. None of the boats that had been left um, were present at the site. Ooh, how yeah. eerie to walk up on that scene. Right. Also, interestingly, uh, it had been fortified with a palisade wall since White's departure three years earlier. What is that? So, it's essentially, like, basically all it is are, like, posts of wood with sharpened tops. Okay. Kind of pointed outwards as, you know, it serves as both, like, a deterrent and, you know, because it can, like, you know, hurt people. Yeah. And, uh, like, and a wall itself. Okay. Um... So th this basically just indicates that the colonists, at the very least, had expected trouble and were involved in some sort of hostilities. Mm -hmm. um, and most infamously, one of the posts had the word Croatan carved into it. Mm. That's, yeah, that's what I wanted. That's why I wanted you guys Croatan. to remember Croatan. You guys wrote it down, so we remembered it. Right? Mm -hmm. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so White took this to mean that the settlers had peacefully moved to Croatan Island or, you know, Hatteras Island, as it's known today. They also discovered numerous tree trunks with C-R-O also carved into it. That's still spooky. It's very spooky. Yeah. Ooh. And the crew was going to further investigate by going to Hatteras Island. Yeah. But unfortunately, due to bad weather conditions, it blew them way off course. And they actually had to just go back to England. What? I know. And it just never gets better. Oh, my 
my gosh. So most people at this time believe the settlers to still be alive. You know, Walter Raleigh himself would finally actually make the trip. Okay. Um, I don't know. I guess, you know, maybe Elizabeth changed her mind or whatever. She's like, you don't have to stay so close to me. Exactly. He You're was, suffocating me. Yeah. Maybe because the <laughs> charter was technically over at this point or like, because he had a, a, until like 1591 to, to create a permanent settlement. So um, he would travel across the Atlantic actually multiple times under the guise of trying to find the colonists, trying to, you know, putting the mm-hmm. portrayal of I'm a good guy. Mm-hmm. But... Pretty much like universal historical consensus is he was actually going, um, he was going over to try to expand his business enterprises. Oh my god! And trying to find the lost city of El Dorado. This not is, even joking. This is where some of the toxic stuff from our American culture comes from. <laughs> yeah. In lieu of trying to find these people, make sure they're okay. He's looking for business opportunities I know. and gold. I'm like, oh man. He was like he was an American before he was an American. Yes, in, exactly. Like, in the worst way. In the worst way. Oh. And I can't believe he's also trying to find El Dorado. It's a we should tell him. It's a great film. The Road yeah. to El Dorado. Classic. I, I mean if he would have seen that, he would have <laughs> He would have known he was looking in the wrong places. Yeah. Like wrong continent. Yeah. <laughs> so in 1603 he was involved in a conspiracy against the newly ascended King James and was imprisoned. <laughs> yeah. So he's no longer in her story. Okay, bye. Um he actually King James would actually eventually end up executing him. Yeah, kings tend to do that. Yeah, about not f- like about fifteen ish or so years later, roughly. So a few more years pass, and in 1607, the colony of Jamestown has now been established. Very original name as well. Very original name, mm-hmm. exactly. So, and it's now, at this point, the, the colonists have been, you know, haven't been seen in 20 years. Oh my god. And no, no letters. Right, nothing. Like no one, I mean, You can't white, just text. It's his family, right? Yeah, it's literally his daughter, his son-in-law and his granddaughter. And they didn't think like, we'll just send a letter back to England to dad to let him know we're okay. I, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. So that's actually a really good point. Um, but we, we might be able to get to that at the okay. end. So over the course, Oh, sorry. Um, J- John Smith, one of the founders of the colony, he was taken captive in December of that year, 1607 by the Powhatan or Powhatan, Powhatan. Yeah. Powhatan? Powhatan. Yeah. That sounds much better. Powhatan. Uh, by the, that tribe where he, des- or they described to him a place called Okanahoan. Okay. Uh, where men wore European style clothing and Anone, i.e. walled houses. Oh. Yeah. So Smith sent a letter back to England the following year, but no further action was taken. Also, John Smith, is that the dude in Pocahontas? Yes. Whoa. Yes. I mean, it's John Smith from real life who... But yeah. Oh, right. (laughs) (laughs) I had it. I knew you were going to say that. Like, I knew you were going to mention that. Oh my gosh. So So predictable. I love Pocahontas, the the princess. Oh yeah. Even as a kid though, I was not down (laughs) with the colonizers coming. I was like, this doesn't seem very nice. It wasn't the nicest. I'll give them, yeah. (laughs) It wasn't the nicest. So over the course of the next hundred years... Inquiries and search parties were made to find the whereabouts of the lost settlers, mm. but all searches came up empty-handed. What the heck? Yeah. Interestingly, in 1701, so we're getting, we're over 100 years now after the initial disappearance, English explorer John Lawson made it to Hatteras Island and was shocked to see evidence of European activity on the island all throughout the 16th century, 
Because they thought that there just wasn't. Yeah. Lawson was the first European to study the island since wife White had left over 100 years prior. And when speaking with the indigenous folks on the land, they claimed to have white European ancestry. What? There have been, or there even have been archaeological finds like the hilt of an Elizabeth, uh, Elizabethan era rapier found on the island. Whoa. Yeah. So it's late like 1500s. They were, I know this obviously isn't it, but it's almost like they were there but invisible. Like kind of hiding in plain sight. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, we get to the point now where it's like, what the heck happened, yeah, right? Yeah, what the heck happened? Did they go missing or not? Yeah, officially we don't know. Nice. But <laughs> archaeological studies starting in 2012, actually, have shed a little bit of light. Yay! So um, it's around this time that we found or what they, we, they found Site X, which is about 50 miles west of Roanoke. And remember... That's what they had decided to do. Exactly. This all came about, funny enough, when researchers found invisible ink on a map called La Virginia Parse, dating to the 1580s. Invisible ink? Yeah, like this is some... Oh my god, that Nick Cage movie, National Treasure. That's some National Treasure shit right there. Absolutely it is. And at the actual site, they found about two dozen shards of English pottery. Yes. And you, make, you make pottery once you're settled. I know, right? Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, through the use of ground-penetrating radar, they located another site two miles away, which was dubbed Site Y. Okay. This site contained many more fragments of ceramics from different parts of Europe. The fragments, which come from vessels used for food preparation and storage, suggest that the presence of... Uh, there was for long-term residents. Yes. Really important stuff. And I, I have to mention, though, it is a possibility that these artifacts were left behind by Jamestown settlers. But mm. what's strange is the absence of any sort of tobacco pipes, um, which were really present during that time. Okay. They'd find all of these other, like, pottery shards, but not anything tobacco-related. is kind of strange. So, it's a possible... Yeah, so again, like... It's a possibility it predates Jamestown, but it's certainly not certain. Okay. So here's my conclusion to all this, my humble opinion, if you will. Yeah. I think they evacuated the area and they weren't killed. Okay. As some people might have believed. I do believe that they escaped either to Croatan Island, aka Hatteras Island, or they escaped to either Site X or Site Y. So, mm. Stephanie, my fellow weirdos, what do you guys think? Hmm. Yeah, I feel like, you know what? It could be, it could be like a combination of those things. Right. Like the most obvious would be, yeah, did they go the 50 miles west like they had decided? Mm -hmm. Maybe some folks, they dispersed a little bit. Right. Um, maybe some people did die. And then maybe a smaller group moved 50 mm -hmm. miles west. That's fascinating though, because obviously I knew the name Roanoke. Um, but I feel like the only thing I ever learned was almost like a ghost story that they told us as kids. Like right. these settlers vanished overnight and no one ever heard from them again. Exactly. And I that's why I thought it was so important to also kind of go into a little bit of the preamble. Yeah. Like I know I gave a lot of backstory in this um, episode, but I think it was really important because it really sets it up. It's not just like some sort of like isolated air, like yes. incident. It really is like the result of years of relations yeah so and I, it's really important to kind of like play that up not relations between not only the english and the uh, native americans but also the english and the spaniards right 
I think it, it really just sets up the story nicely and kind of gives you a little bit more context. I feel sad, though, that um, that dude never found his daughter and granddaughter again. He, I, I, I read up a little bit about him, and he, I think, believed to his dying day that he, like his daughter and his uh, you know granddaughter were still alive. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's so, so strange, though, that they wouldn't... I guess there's no mail between right. the two. Now that I think about it, I'm saying, like, why don't they write home? There's no, like, postal service. Well, yeah, that's... It's like, oh, from this colony to England? Yes, of course. They would have had to, like, just have, like, a, a ship. I mean, it was, like, a small island, right? So they would have had to, like, just have, like, a ship that just happened to see them. But most of the ships patrolling that area were Spanish ships, so that yeah. wouldn't have been Wise good. to be like, hey, come over here. Exactly. Look at the home we've made. Right. Or if it's like, you know, that's if they went to Hatteras Island, if they ended up going to one of the archaeological sites, there's no way they're going to get found. Yes. There's no way they're going to get found, and there's just no form of... Something we definitely take for granted, there's no form of communication back then. And even by the time that Jamestown would have been like an active settlement and they would have like found out about it, it would have been like a full 30 years. Yeah, like a generation later. Yeah, it's a full generation. So it's like you're already kind of set in your ways at that point. Like, Yeah, you're not, there's no one really probably that comes to mind where like, oh, I should tell people. Right. If it's like 30 years later, you're kind of like, oh, okay. Wow. That's fascinating. Yeah, exactly. So my sources for this episode, before I forget... Artnet.com actually had a really good um, portion about like the research into site X and site Y. It was cool. really cool. Science That Matters, History.com, and of course our favorite, Wikipedia. I wonder if you can visit site X and site Y. I don't know, but I would really like to. That would be so cool. If I, I know we have um, actually quite a few listeners kind of in that area. If anyone knows, or if you've been, or if you've heard any updates, please let us know yeah. on Instagram when we post about this episode. We would love to hear. Yeah, if you guys have anything, please let us know. Any more context? You want to correct our terrible pronunciation? We, <laughs> yeah. We got you. I know. I, I feel like I had a lot of bad pronunciation <laughs> this episode. So for that, my weirdos, I am really sorry. I loved this story. This was fascinating to me. Thank you so much yeah, for sharing it. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. And hopefully you guys are a little bit more informed now about like this type of, or this you know portion of human history. The mystery of Roanoke. Yeah. And if you guys have any insights also to the way, what happened to them. Yes. We want to hear what you think. Exactly. So thank you for listening, weirdos. As always, check us out on Instagram. We're pretty good at responding to comments. Messages were still backed up. But if you leave a comment, we would love to hear your thoughts on the episode. And we are on Instagram at History for Weirdos. Thank you, Stephanie. Until next time, guys. Until next time, weirdos. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.